Are you guys ready? I'm 100% ready to do some lines. All right, folks. Welcome to the Week 12 Take the Points College Football Podcast. My name is Tom, and my mission this week is to goad my co-hosts Dan and Ryan, who are live from Phoenix, Arizona, into talking about Will Muschamp as early as possible in the show. However, they refuse. Ryan says it has to come on his timeline that you can't rush uh, a rant of genius. <laughs> so, uh, Ryan, this is your first opportunity. Would you like to play or pass? Look, I'll just say this. The magical glasses that saved his job last year, they just they ran out of magical potion, magic juice. I, I still think they might have been like James Bond villain glasses and he could read the other team's play charts. But that battery just it died. He doesn't know how to get it replaced, so he, he can't coach again. I don't know what happened, but the hick is gone. I heard he was down at Waffle House slathering gravy on his man boobs and crying a little bit. But, you know, there's a lot of Waffle Houses, so keep your eye out, folks. He, he might be wandering around with a, with a knapsack on his back. Just, just if you see a guy who smells like gravy and a lot of flies around him, just pick him up. Give him a ride. Uncle Nick will take him to rehabilitation school. He'll get his career back once Uncle Nick cleans him up. Well, I'm debating whether I should do my musical tribute now. I guess there's not, never been a better time from uh, one South Carolina uh, famous genius to the next. Um, it's nice that you uh, mentioned the word cry because that's a nice segue f- to the greatest Gamecocks of all time. This one's for Will Muschamp, folks. You'll be missed. Maybe I'll be back it was a bad hire at the time. We told you. Take the points, as always, ahead of the curve. When did we say this was a bad hire or that it wasn't going to work out? I believe it was like week two. The first minute it happened, he been on the train the entire time South Carolina had no chance. If they were ever evenly matched with the team, they were now a dog due to inferior coaching. The hick had to go. Look, this team had Spurrier, all right? They had the, the man, and they went from the man to the hick. And you can't do that. So there's only one place left for him to go, and that's the Mac. So he needs to go to REI, put on a winter jacket, buy a winter jacket, and head up north. We can only hope. Maybe Bowling Green. So this was my first thought, but I've heard it repeated many times on social media. But if you look at the coaching trends of how they get their coaches in South Carolina, there's only one man who is next up in line, and that is the great Jim McElwain. Oh, oh God. Well, he's, he's turned Central Michigan around. People are loving singing his he's praises. Back. Stock is he's, rising, baby. Him and Muschamp, could just, they, they could just swap. Oh, he'll, be, he'll come back to South Carolina, move him up to six and five forever congratulations i don't know that's on the coast it might be tempting sharks are around it's shark season should we 
Should we just say <laughs> goodbye to Coastal Carolina's coach now? Or do you think he's too high profile to go to South Carolina? I don't think it's worth his time. All right, we'll save this for later, but I there's so many good um, non-Power 5 coaches available at the end of the season. I want to go through them all and see who would actually consider South Carolina. He's got a cash in a Coastal Carolina. That guy probably makes like 290000 now, but can go to South Carolina for like $6.5 million. That's a big raise. Maybe like a Tom... I don't know how much you make, Tom, but I'm guessing if you, if you go to work tomorrow and they're like, Tom, 2.1 million, that's your new salary. You'd be like, that's a substantial rate. That would be a bump, yes. <laughs> All right, let's 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 listen to Hootie for a minute and then we'll start the show for real. This will be our theme music this, this week instead. This has got to be the show. Take the points. Uh, we're in week 12. Week 11. I feel like we just did a podcast because we did one on like Friday, right? Or Thursday yeah. night. And now it's Monday and we're recording our next week. So um, give me your thoughts on last week's games. I mean, there wasn't any marquee matchups, but there was some definitely some entertaining stuff. Yes. Um, Oregon uh, came back to win against Washington State. They were kind of jacking around for a while. Speaking of jacking around, just like Ryan said, USC 34-30 over Arizona. That is not an elite program. An elite program blows that piece of trash team out. On the flip side, you got Tom Z's Liberty winning by 42. You got Northwestern winning again. These teams are hot. So you know what? They're both undefeated. They're playing well. Can't fade them at this point. So it was kind of a weird week, but I'm excited to have Alabama back and we have a big top two. We, we, we have a big, a big matchup with two top 10 teams, one favored by three touchdowns, but we'll get to that later in a bunch of ridiculous lines this week that I'm excited to talk about. So Ryan, what do you got this week? Oh, well, <clears throat> the big headline for me from last week was coach Shianu found out you can't chop petrified wood. And Lovey Smith is so damn old. He couldn't be chopped. <laughs> That's why the tarmac wasn't back this week. He got his win. <laughs> I'm 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 doing a slow golf clap for that one. The masters point, masters man. level golf clap for that one. Lovey, he was so close to losing to Rutgers, and then you could just nail them. And been like enough is enough. Like I'm getting, enough defending this guy, but no, he got his win. He's not, Illinois not in the top two worst teams in the big 10, possibly not even the top three. Hot take. Well, we'll get to that when we get to the lines. Anything else that stood out? I love my non-power five teams this year and I'm just, all I want is one non-power five team in the playoff. That's all I want for the rest of the season. Not going to happen, but it'll be interesting. What about a non-Power 5 playoff? Like BYU, Cincy, Coastal Carolina. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Tom. I was going to say, like, like when BYU or Cincinnati gets screwed because, like, you know, Notre Dame. No, like, 
one loss Notre Dame going to get the four over those teams? It'll be so bad. For sure. For sure. hundred yeah. percent. With Clemson, Notre Dame, part three in the playoff, really? Come on. hundred percent. Clemson and Notre Dame will both Alabama, finish with one loss. Notre Dame. Alabama, Ohio State. Yep. Najee Harris, 275 yards rushing. I'm looking forward to that. So that's it. How about you, Tom? You got anything from last week? Nope. Nothing happened. No teams I like played. Uh, just, you know, relaxing, taking the season off. All right, Tom. Excellent work. Moving on to this week. You ready to do it? Yeah, I just want to get into lines because I do have some thoughts, but it all ties into lines and I got a lot of picks this week. So let's let's do some lines, fellas. Fantastic. We're going to start right off the bat Tuesday. Bowling Green University is hosting UB. Tuesday game. That's right. The max in action on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Bowling Green's is the worst team that we've seen so far. It has no defense. Um, UB's team total, 45-ish. Just bet the over on that. We had uh, over 38 and a half with Kent State last week. Pretty easy to cover that when it's 38-10 and a half. So... Um, looking forward to cashing a very easy, like a guarantee they score in the fifties, flat out lock of the week. Buffalo's right good. Yeah. Buffalo's got a really good offense and they're going to score points and Bowling Green's terrible. Yeah. Unless it snows sideways or rains, check the weather tomorrow. Make sure that's it. But speaking of terrible. Bowling Green. There's another one on Tuesday. Oh yeah. Uh, Akron at Kent state, Kent state. Laying 25 to Akron. If you just want to go ahead and, and hook or uh, go ahead and do a parlay, uh, the anti-Bowling Green Ak- Akron parlay on Tuesday is pretty good. They're, they're two brutal teams. Uh, the MAC is pretty bad to watch, but if you're a D-Gen and need some action, it's perfect. Akron hasn't won a game since 2018. <laughs> They went 0-12 last year, and they're 0 for this year. They literally haven't won a game since 2018. They're in trouble. Like, that's not good. So there's a lot of money to be made by taking a Buffalo-Kent State parlay. Yes, I agree. Okay, moving on. We're not going to talk about any more Maxion. We're going to keep sliding ahead. We're going to slide past this nonsense. Keep going. Okay, Coastal Carolina is back in action noon on Saturday against Appalachian State. Coastal Carolina laying six, total 48 and a half. Ryan, Coastal Carolina coming off a COVID cancellation. It's a lot of C's. The Chanteliers, the Chanticleers coming off a cancellation due to COVID. Laying six, 48 and a half. Give me a pick. This is the biggest game of their schedule. Uh, This is a rivalry game with the uh, Appalachian State as well. So this is going to be – God, this line is probably right on. I still like Coastal Carolina. Um, I probably would lean towards a money line, but uh, they're playing really well. They've had some time to prepare. I think they're the pick here. But it's not going to be a blowout, I don't think, like uh, all the rest of their games have been. They're going to be challenged here. Uh, I'm taking the App State money line. 
I think that, as you said, this is their hardest game of the season, and I just don't think this is a team that's going to finish the year undefeated. So this, to me, is the loss. App State, traditionally very good. They're the kind of spoiler. When they're not the um, the best team in these situations, they're the one who spoils the best team season. Um, I, I don't know. I just I feel bad. And Coastal Carolina has been winning, but they haven't been necessarily covering. They didn't cover their last game, and they just – they seem to be a little less dominant each week. And now the level of competition goes up greatly. So I'm a little worried for them. I'll be pulling the, for them with my heart, but um, I'll be making a small uh, app state money line wager. Fair. Like I said, it won't be a blow. It's going to be a close game. Uh, it's a college game with two teams that can uh, score 40, 50, 60 points. I've seen against other teams. The total is 48 and a half. I'm betting the over and having some fun. Uh, speaking of fun, Florida State's not going to have any fun this upcoming Saturday. Clemson no. comes to town with Trev Lawrence off of his COVID. Total 66.5. Clemson laying 34.5. Uh, I'll take this one on behalf of everybody. Um, Florida State has no quarterback, no team. I don't think they're even trying. They're basically a high school team. Um, the guy who was playing quarterback uh, is now off the team. The other starter is transferred. He's not playing. Clemson's mad off a loss. This sounds like 55 to three. That's probably a good guess. I have no problem laying the 34 and a half. I'm sure neither of you do as well. Anything to add? Nope. I'll, uh, I'll take a first half as well. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll and, even lay, yeah, 21 in the first half with ease. Yeah, and I, I think Trev uh, is not out of the Heisman race and, you know, coming back after a couple weeks off and especially a Clemson loss. First off, they need to dominate to show that they're still, they still belong in the top four, just to make that clear. And uh, if he wants a shot at the Heisman, if he comes out and just destroys them, I think he's right back in the conversation. So all signs point to Trevor Lawrence throwing for like five touchdowns. It's true. I like that, Tom. It's a good prop bet. Thank you for that. Uh, real quick, Florida at Vandy. Florida laying 31 and a half. This Florida offense is the real deal. They're scoring points left and right on everybody. They're looking a little bit like LSU last year, to be honest with you, in terms of the points they can score. It's a shame they lost that game earlier in the year. To what, was that A&M? Yeah. Fucking Jimbo. Anyway, Vandy actually put up some points against Kentucky last week and easily covered. Um, so if they score on uh, Kentucky, I think they'll be able to score a little bit on the leaky Florida defense. Florida Wolves for sure score on Vandy. So uh, I actually like the over 68 and a half. I think this is like a 50 something to 20 something, 30, yeah, like 58, 28 type game. And uh, there'll be a lot of points. And that could be fun to bet the under. So Florida. Overhook, Ryan. I like Tom Z from last the the last game. This is for me as a Florida first half bet. It's good. Yeah, I haven't decided exactly what I'll do. Whether it's a first half or uh, an over, or just take the thirty one and a half. But I love Florida in the spot. They dominated a much better Arkansas team, and now they play a weaker Vandy team. They have Kentucky next week, so it's not a look ahead spot. They. Uh, much like I said, Trev is going to come back and want to dominate. Like I think Florida sees their potential p- path to the playoff. 
Um, and they're going to come out just steamrolling people from here on out. So I really love this Florida team. It is a shame they lost, but it was a, it's a quality loss as they say to a number five, Texas A&M. So they're going to get to that sec championship game against Alabama. Hopefully they're going to be still uh, one loss team when they get there. And then it's anybody's game. Cause I think this Florida team is the one team that could um, compete with Alabama this year. That's good. Tom. I like it. Uh, one quick thing though, before we move on, how the hell was that freaking Kentucky Vanderbilt game? Like the highest scoring, like it was like 70 something points in that yeah. game. How the hell did that happen? I didn't see that one coming in a million years. It should have been like 17 17- Six. Yeah, that should have been the lock under 38, like easily alternate line as low as you could go bet the under. I didn't see that coming. So Vandy still sucks, but I don't know how you score points. Good for you. No, the, the rules are off this year. Like nothing makes sense. So just go with it. <clears throat> well said, Tom. You couldn't have gave me a better segue into the next line. This, my friend. This is the line of the year. It's not a gambling spot of the year, but it's the single line of the year where if you would have told me before the year, this line is a real line on November 16th, I would have said, you're a liar. There's no way. It's impossible. LSU travels to Arkansas. Arkansas minus one. It's like, it's literally speechless when you say that. To think that LSU is an underdog at Arkansas. The greatest team of all time, potentially. One of the three best teams of all time in our entire life Mm -hmm. against Arkansas. Against Arkansas, who may not have, like, won against Syracuse last year. Like, that's how bad it was. So, that shows you how far LSU has fallen and uh, also how much Arkansas has improved at the same time. Um, that being said, I'm going with Arkansas just because I'll take the team heading up instead of the team going down. Of course, you can argue that LSU has more talent, uh, but they also have Bo Pelini coaching defense. So I, I don't have any confidence there. And Ryan already has covered um, Coach O's uh, female uh, exploits in previous podcasts. So I feel like Arkansas is more focused across the board and I'm going to take them and pick them this week. Ryan. Coach Pelini's looking over his shoulder. Coach O swiping right. <laughs> Teams all coveted up. The second time for the second time. PS five just dropped. <laughs> they don't give a shit. Nope. You ever been to Fayetteville, Arkansas, Tom? <laughs> nope. I have. I have. You know what's around Fayetteville, Arkansas? Nothing. <laughs> Those dudes are going to be up to like four in the morning playing PS5. They're not going to care at all about this game. At all. <laughs> This is the bet of the week. Just it's a pick 'em. You don't have to lay any points. Just who's going to win? The team with way more talent, or the team who actually tries? It's really that simple. So two things: um, adding, <laughs> yeah. 
adding to what you said about like the craziest line of the year, what you just said, Ryan, if you told me last year, uh, week 12, uh, first off, if you said week 12, I'd be like, wait, Arkansas LSU are playing in the sec championship game. But you're, you're like, well, Arkansas and LSU will play in November. And one of the teams will be um, having their best season in uh, 15 years. And the other team will be having, um, you know, off field woman problems with a coach. I'd be like, all right, well, LSU minus 85. <laughs> Pick them. Pick them. <laughs> Got it all backwards. Number two is uh, over under a lowly 66. So let's take that over, boys. Yeah. Oh, Pelini. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas team total. Leave LSU out of it. Don't even get involved with LSU. They may not score at all. They might just fumble away and throw some picks. Still, I mean, they'll uh, still score. Arkansas out. gave up 63 points, right? Well, not against Coach O this year. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> that was the first game all year that Arkansas actually gave up points. They, they've actually been really stout on defense this year until that uh, Florida demolishing. But, you know, for like two-ish quarters, they held on. Two and a half quarters of defense it's a tough job. Everyone's getting, I mean, dude, everyone's getting a house by Florida. I mean, Georgia just gave up 48. That's Georgia. People are like, this is the best defense in the country. It looks like they're going to be able to hold teams under 20 and win all year. Yeah, right. That was Stetson Bennett. Anyway, uh, you know, I don't like him. Anyway, this is really fun. Gathered, just because yes. it's a pick em, you, you you really get a chance to just get a pick em. And either way, it's, it's a it's, it's a win-lose. I mean, either you get a team with all the talent that doesn't care or the team with no talent that cares. So pick your poison. You're going down either way. <laughs> all right, moving on. Fake game of the week, Indiana at Ohio State, Indiana minus nine, or Indiana, the ninth-ranked team of the country against Ohio State, the third-ranked team in the country. Ohio State minus 20-and-a-half, total 65. Tom, go ahead. i just like to take a minute and talk about Ohio State's brutal path to the playoff. So they open at home against a Nebraska team that's trying to find themselves, and they beat them uh, 52 to 17. Then they, uh, go to Penn state, which should be the whiteout game, which should be your toughest game of the year. Turns out it's the worst Penn state team since 1931 and there's no fans. So there's no whiteout. So they win by 13. Then Maryland, the second best team in the big 10 East or the third best team in the big 10 East besides these two, uh, that game's canceled. And now they get their toughest test which is a home game, of course, against the amazing ninth-ranked Indiana. And then after this, they have Illinois, the horrible Michigan State, and the horrible Michigan, which is also a home game. So just a, just a killer, killer schedule. This is by far the toughest test that Ohio State will play this year, um, which is actually why I actually like Indiana and the points in this game. I think Ohio State gets it done, but I think Indiana can cover the 20, 20 and a half currently. And I think if you wait till game time, it's going to be like 23. So that's a pretty good angle. Actually, Mike, I like that. Mike Penix and Ty Fryfrogle, baby. Mike Penix and Mike Pence. 
Pence combination. Pence might infect them with Ohio State with COVID. He's going to sneak over the border. Well, they are. Well, we're not going to get into that. But that's a good angle, though. That uh, this is their hardest game left on the year, and you know, might as well take the team on three touchdowns. That means that Ohio State's going to be laying forty-five the rest of the year, thirty-five, all that bullshit. By, by far, I mean Ohio State's not going to be favored by less than. Uh, well, you you never know with Michigan; those lines are always funky, but. They will not be favored by less than two touchdowns for sure. Um, and yeah, I'll the, take Indiana with you. I like yeah, it. and we know about Ohio State. They always struggle one game a year. Even if they win, they always struggle one game, and it's never the Michigan game or the Penn State game. There's always one other random team that gives them trouble. This is the only option this year. I mean, they're not going to struggle at Illinois, and they're not going to struggle at Michigan State. So if they win this handily then you could just put them in the playoff now like you could cancel the rest of their games well then cancel the rest of the games because they're going to win by 40 <laughs> moving on <laughs> good pick all right uh another big 10 special for you tom um this shows you how weird this year is the not improved michigan state squad at maryland only six and a half for maryland What's up with that? Sounds like 45-13 to me, but tell me why it's not going to be. Oh, I'll tell you exactly what, what's up and why this is the best bet you can make this week. I want everyone, when you listen to this, to go to your preferred Antigua website, and I want you to place a bet on Maryland minus six right now. Uh, and here's why. Because these teams playing at full or near full strength, Maryland beats them by 30 points. Um, there's two reasons that this line is, um, closer. One is the brand recognition. Of course, we know the public, um, bets on the big names. So that buys Michigan state a few points. Also Maryland, uh, missed last week because of COVID and they had eight players who uh, caught the virus and it's unclear whether those eight players would play, you know, what they're saying now is like, they'll play, but those eight players will miss the game. And so that's why the line is close. But here's the thing and why I love this bet. Maryland's not going to play with minus those eight players. So this game's either going to happen and Maryland's going to beat them by 40 or they're going to cancel it and you're going to get your money back. So put in the bet now and, you know, take your odds. It's, it's a push or it's a win. There's no way Michigan State will win this game. And now I just jinxed it. So now they'll definitely win. They are historically bad. I mean, let's talk about the bottom of the Big Ten for a second. Michigan State's the worst team maybe in the country, like Power 5 team. They're so incredibly bad. I mean, who are those two MAC teams you talked about? Bowling uh, Green, Akron. Yeah, I'm not saying either of them could beat Michigan State, but like a, a um, super group of those two teams, the best players from those two teams could definitely beat Michigan State. Uh, and then you've got um, Illinois, probably by a hair, your second worst team in the Big Ten. And then the Penn State Nittany Lions, your third worst team in the Big Ten. And then Rutgers, fourth. So it's a wild, wild year. And then at the top of the Big Ten, you've got Ohio State, Indiana, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Maryland in some order. So Don't forget about Michigan being absolutely terrible as well. Just by default, Michigan is not in the they're they're not in the five worst teams. Just, what, just one and three. No. Yeah, but they're like 
they're still better than Minnesota. They're still better than Purdue. That's probably it. Oh. But that still puts them like seventh worst. What a mess. Yeah. All right. Good. I'm ready to pull out of the Big Ten. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can, you know, like Hotel I'm California, you can now. you can check out, but I'm you can exhausted. never truly leave. All right. I'm getting out of there and I'm going into something more interesting. Cincinnati at Central Florida. This is a fun fucking game here. Cincy minus six, total 62 and a half. Cincy, this past week on Friday night was pretty easy. We forgot to talk about how Luke Fickle is an Ohio State, uh, you know, person. If he gets a chance to show off his Cincinnati team on Friday night, he's going to try to run up the score. So we bet Cincinnati team points over. We laid the points with Cincinnati. And then Luke Fickle runs a fake punt in the fourth quarter with seven minutes to go, up 40 points. Because he's from Ohio State, and this is what they do on their one national TV game. It was so obvious. It actually happened. Anyway, Central Florida is good. They score a lot of points. But I just can't go against Cincinnati. I'm going to lay the six with Cincinnati. I feel like getting them under a touchdown is good um, against anybody who's not in a major conference right now. So, taking Cincy, it sucks, but I'm going to do it. It does suck uh, since he's really good. But a lot of weird things happen down in Florida. <laughs> you know, you get down in them swamplands and some weird things happen. And I just can't shake the feeling that Central Florida's undefeated season was ruined by Cincinnati, I believe. So this just feels to me like this is the spot where all of a sudden Central Florida's offense comes back alive and they uh, they run this game. So my head tells me Cincinnati, but I just got this weird gut feeling that Central Florida might uh, might pull this out. So for me, it's a stay away, but I might put a little taste on the money line in Central Florida. So I'm, I'm with you both. I think since he's probably the pick, but I feel uneasy about it. My running assumption for basically every year is that if a non-powered five team seems like they're going undefeated with like three weeks left, that you should look out for which spot they're most likely to lose. Cause they always either lose one or they have one really close one, like no non-power five team ever just like cleanly blows everyone out and runs the table. So with Cincy, you've got a couple. You've got uh, UCF this week, and then Temp at Temple, and that, and then uh, at Tulsa. So, if I had to pick one of those teams who would knock Cincinnati off, I think I would lean Tulsa. So that makes me feel a little better because there's always one. But um, I'd be a little wary of this game. Um, small wager on Cincy or stay away. You'll get your money back next week with Cincy. I think. I think they'll destroy Temple. Um, if you guys are willing, I'd like to play the game. Are these coaches too good for South Carolina right now? I think this is a good spot. I want to go through, um, I'd like to go through the non power five teams and coaches who are doing really well, who are in the top 25 this year. And you tell me if their coach would go to South Carolina if offered the job. So, uh, first is Luke fickle of Cincinnati. No, Maybe. 
I mean, I think if you're a non-power five and you get offered a SEC job, you have to at least consider it, right? But my feeling is Luke Fickle can probably do better if he just waits. That job's a kiss of death for your career. You, you can't take that job if you're up and coming. Uh, BYU. Our job is an old man job. Yeah, really. I mean, Jim McElwain really is the perfect choice. Um, BYU. Yeah. Who's BYU's coach these days? I don't know. Oh, it's, um, I can't, I can't pronounce yeah. his name. I can, I can picture his face, but I don't know his name. Uh, oh, uh, Kalani Sataki. Right? There you there go. I might be mispronouncing yeah. that, but would he go South to Carolina? South Carolina no. if offered? No. Zero. No chance. I feel like he, I feel like he's the like immediate no. Like he's the most likely to just straight up say no, I won't even interview. Um, You're right. Next up, number 15 in the country, Coastal Carolina. Yes. Jamie Chadwell. Of course. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I mean, to me, this is the number one odds of him actually taking the job. Of course. Um, Okay. Yeah. It makes sense, you know, geographically, and it would be such a, such a boost that you'd have to do it. Um, Doc Holliday, Marshall Thundering Herd. Yes. Would he take the South Carolina job? I think so. Uh, do it, Tom. Just say it. Just do it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna skip ahead and then go back. Uh Philip Montgomery of the 25th ranked Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. No. No, no why not? Regional thing. Too smart. Regional. He's a middle of the, of, of the country Big 12 guy. He's not a coastal SEC line up and try to hit him in the mouth. Okay. Um, and then our last potential coaching hire is a guy who's got a little bit of SEC experience. So in true South Carolina fashion, they would be getting someone who already washed out at another SEC program. Number 21, Liberty, Hugh Freeze. Yes. He would take it. <laughs> Comma. Do you think, South Carol- you think South Carolina is above offering to Hugh Freeze? No. Yes. I, I don't. We're going to find out. <laughs> I mean, I think him, I think him and uh, the Coastal Carolina – uh, Jamie, whatever his name is. I think those are your two uh, top picks. Although, you know, yeah, there's some Jerry Falwell Jr. Lindsey Graham connections. Yeah, it does make a little sense there. I think Hugh's getting a call. I'll say that much. Well, he'll have his playbook and his Bible ready. If he take if he takes that job, get your um get your meme builder ready. Get the hospital bed thumbs up. Oh, if he gets that job, the tarmac is back in the off season. <laughs> we're doing we're doing ten months a year of tarmac reports. Yeah. So, I mean, what coaches? We need a list. This is probably a project for a future show, but coaches who have been fired before ever stepping on the field. Um. 
That's got to be a rare one. You there's there's got to be a couple. George O'Leary. There's George one. O'Leary's one. There's one. Well precedent. That's All right. one. Well, you know, Liverpool High School. <laughs> All right. Uh, did, he, did he really go there, though? No, he was the coach there like when we were in school. Did we ever see him, though? I mean, it's on his resume. Have we confirmed have visual confirmation? He was a Marcellus and lied on his resume and wrote down. <laughs> he actually coached West Bowl. Genesee with us. He was actually the yeah. He was actually the special teams coach at West Genesee and wrote down head coach of Liverpool. <laughs> All right, Tom. I'm only giving you 30 seconds to talk about this shit show. All right, then I'm, I'm going to do Ace Ventura style. All right. I went Penn State two and a half. There have been many bad Penn State teams in my life. However, this is the worst one since 1931. The teams in the early 2000s featuring only two players to get drafted, including Omar Easy at fullback. So really only one player at a real position to get drafted would be worse on paper. However, those teams at least tried hard and Zach Mills came in and gave a valiant effort in his freshman year and finished five and six after going 0-4. Also, they went 0-4 against the greatest Miami team of all time, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan that year. So that team was, the schedule was much harder than this year. This year's team has quit, and which makes them the worst Penn State team since 1931 when uh, they barely even had a coach. Also in 1891, Penn State had no coach and finished 6-2. and So they actually did better with no coach than they did this year with James Franklin. As the Penn State punter tweeted, COVID year, doesn't count. We'll see you all in 2021 <laughs> at Iowa. You said it, man. Well done, Tom. That was excellent. Uh, are we going to keep going down? Kentucky at Alabama. Nice to see Alabama back playing college football. It didn't feel like a real college football week with them being canceled. Um, it's 30. The total's 58. I'm going to make this real simple. Alabama can score 58. So I'm going to do the old Bama hook, have some fun. Yeah, Alabama is going to score 58 on their own. I mean, Kentucky just gave up 30-plus to Vanderbilt. I thought their defense was really good. Apparently some things happened. Now they got to go on the road to Tuscaloosa. It's not a good place to go, especially if you got a Stoops coaching <laughs> They have some demons down there. It's, it's not going to be good. I'm still out of breath from the last question. Uh, I agree with everything. I like the over-under better than the spread. I think there are many situations in which Kentucky could cover 30 and it could still go over. Ryan, we love talking about Stoops and the brother coaching combo, but are you aware there is a second Ference on Iowa? Ooh. Oh, yeah. His son, he's just as bad. <laughs> he's a total dick too. Wasn't he like a? He was like a uh, like strength coach that became like a tight end coach or some shit. He's yeah. a meathead. I mean, who produces better tight ends than Iowa? Though the guy gets results. It's true. It, yeah, you know, meathead. All right, Tom, this is actually a better Big Ten game than that Indiana-Ohio State nonsense. Wisconsin-Northwestern, very impressive performances by these two teams. Someone's going home with the loss. 
Wisconsin laying seven and a half, total 44. Fuck. Tom, go right ahead. Yeah, Wisconsin really looks like the real deal. And especially after, what, three weeks off or two weeks off? I mean, to come back to that performance, I know it's not the greatest Michigan team in the world, but uh, Graham Mertz looks great. Uh, I mean, their running game is great as always. They got a tight end who's great. Speaking of tight ends, um, Northwestern has a great defense and they um, have veteran leadership by uh, Peyton Ramsey. But talent-wise, even though they've been winning, they're really not at the same level as Wisconsin. And uh, for that reason, I think you have to go with Wisconsin. However, I don't like it. 7.5 is obviously the worst line to bet, in my opinion. That and the 14.5, those are like the hardest lines. Because if Wisconsin wins by 7, which is a very likely outcome, you're going to be like smacking yourself in the head. So I don't like the over-under, and I don't like the line. Um, I think there is a potential for Wisconsin to win this game by like 20 points though. All right. Take your word for it. You're the big 10 expert. They're really good. I mean, this is not, you know, I joke about the greatest Wisconsin quarterback since Russell Wilson after two games, but he probably is. And he probably will be at the, when all is said and done. And um, it adds a dynamic to Wisconsin that they haven't had in like, you know, whatever, nine years. So um, they're, they're dangerous. Um, all right, you're back. We lost you for a second. Technology. All right, Tom, this is actually an interesting game. Actually, no, it's not. Um, real quick, UNLV at Colorado State, two terrible teams, Steven Dazio, we don't need to get into it. Total 58, just bet the under, don't watch, collect your money in the morning. Moving on to the next game. Tennessee at Auburn. I forgot that both these two teams were played college football, to be honest with you. Feels like they've been out with COVID for months or just made a mutual agreement with everybody that they're going to finish like six and four and three and five, respectively. And that's it. Anyway, Auburn minus 10 at home, total 49 and a half. I'll take this one. Tennessee is really bad. Any optimism by last year's end of the year uh, run is now over and put to bed. And they're going to get murdered the rest of the year. Uh, late the ten with Auburn. Uh, I feel like there's very, very superior team. I know they've played terrible all year, but Tennessee's bad, and this could be a game where Auburn gets healthy, goes on a mini run here. So, War Eagle, Ryan. No, I totally agree. Late the ten. Yeah, Tennessee sucks. Yeah, I don't. Know. I, I don't know how you can um, bet on Tennessee at all. <laughs> Well, here's a team that you're going to bet on this week. This line's wrong. Liberty at NC State. Liberty catching three and a half points. What? Total of 67. Z, rip this shit apart. Well, NC State has been scoring a lot lately. So my favorite bet, believe it or not, is the over in this game. Both these teams can score really well. But obviously, obviously, Liberty should be favored in this game. Not by three and a half, but I feel like this is a one point line to a pick them. Just a slight edge for Liberty. Um, NC State obviously has the power five talent, so they're going to have a slight talent edge. Liberty has the coaching advantage and um, they're just, they're eight. No, I mean, they're very good. 
but don't sell out uh, North Carolina State. Like they do score a lot of points. They are um, six and two against the spread this year. So um, they're they're not a team to be. You know, they're not um, Georgia Tech or whatever. Syracuse. I like the over a lot too, Tom. The over is the play for me. Over night game, NC State. Over. All right, Tom, here's another SEC game. Mississippi State at Georgia. Georgia's laying 25, total 44 and a half. It's beautiful. Uh, not a lot of wiggle room there to cover, cover that and get the under. But people are going to be scared off of this because of Georgia's performance against Florida. People should not be scared off. Mississippi State is the worst team in the SEC. Vandy is a better team than them. Mississippi State's unbelievably bad. The whole team's quit. Leach is just purging the, the whole team. I, there's people quitting the team. It's it's bad. Georgia's going to win this game by more than 25. I really like Georgia a lot to uh, bounce back and smash Mississippi State. Yeah, totally agree. Destroy. We brag about our good picks a lot on this show, so I feel like we should uh, cop up to a bad pick. But remember after week one, where we were like, well, Leach obviously has the better team this year, and Elaine has a lot of catching up to do. We were well, wrong. Leach is completely, he needs to reload. Like, he's looking like it's Arkansas. It's bad. So, uh, basically just put the word, like, Arkansas 2017, and like, like uh, instead of Mississippi State there in the line, and then you'll feel better about laying the 25. I'm not going to do it, but this does seem like the um, this will be within the window of a 25 point cover and an under, like 37 to three. Yeah. yeah, 38 nothing exactly is what I was thinking. Yeah, 45-6. Uh, here's the real game of the week: Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. This is a great game every year. This is a really fun one. Uh, Oklahoma laying seven. Total 59 and a half. I like Oklahoma State uh, plus the seven. Mike Gundy likes to cover this game. He loves to play it close. Spencer Sanders is healthy. The offense isn't amazing by any means, um, but Oklahoma State's defense is pretty good. They got a great secondary. Spencer Rattler is his first big rivalry game against Oklahoma State. Who knows what's going to happen there? I think there's a decent chance that Oklahoma State wins this game. I would not be shocked one bit. I'd give them about a 45, 50% chance to win this game. So I'm going to take the seven. That's also one of my favorite bets of the week. Really like Oklahoma State a lot. Yes. This game will be sponsored by Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> Spencer's Gifts. Yeah, who, this will be so, the battle. Who's the best Spencer? Yeah. So. Dual you know, Spencers. If you want to get a black light poster, maybe throw a pick six, maybe get injured. We don't know which Spencer is going to show up. We don't know. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just take uh, the over in this 59 and a half. I know these teams aren't scoring like they used to, but this is still one of those weird rivalry games where crazy shit could happen. And uh, that's what I'm expecting. So I think that at least. I think these teams can at least get in the high twenties, if not, you know, mid thirties. So for me, I like the over a little bit. 
I feel like you have to take the over in this game, whether you like it or not. Um, I don't have much of an opinion. I just, I'm now thinking is the winner of this game, the greatest Spencer of all time? Like, is there a, a great Spencer in history? Well, they are going to play again next year. So that's, we'll find out. But, um, but there's no like famous so Spencer that I'm not thinking of from, you know, music or film. No, no. I feel like whoever, whoever finishes their career with the better record head to head becomes the greatest Spencer of all time. Just like how Georgia had the Georgia and Washington had like the battle of the Jakes. Oh yeah. Okay. Last line of the night. Boise state at Hawaii. Hawaii getting 14 and a half total 61. Boise looked, um, pretty good with Hank Bachmeyer back um, this past week. Hawaii traditionally can never stop Boise at all. Like we've been watching Hawaii for a couple of years now. Boise literally, I feel, scored a touchdown on every single possession with every team they've played against Hawaii. It just sucks. Um, I'll take the over 61 in this game. I think Boise can get in the 40s. I think Hawaii can get in the 20s, 30s. Over 61, late night special, Saturday night. Um, we missed one. I'm going to insist okay. that yep. we talk about USC minus three at Utah because even though Utah lost a bunch of guys, it's not the same Utah team, there's still enough players that saw their opportunity at an undefeated season slip away in Los Angeles last year. And for me, this is a great, great spot. USC has been playing with fire. You know, they played the ASU game in the twenties. They played Arizona in the thirties over under 57 and a half here. I like Utah and the under in this spot. I think this is finally the week that, uh, that Clay Helton's just, playing with fire two weeks in a row. This is the week it catches up with them. Utah gets the revenge from last year. And then it all falls on Oregon's shoulders. So we, I, unless, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the East coast, so I'm kind of tired during these, but unless I passed out for a minute, I think we skipped the Oregon game also. Right. Which is one I really like. Um, UCLA. Hey, that's all right. Was, That's what we're here for. Pack twelve short. I didn't feel like go right ahead. Uh, Oregon's really good, and UCLA's really not good. And it's a fourteen and a half point line. It'll probably go up, so you might want to jump on it early. Although that's never safe to do this season. But Oregon's playing really well, and I I felt kind of like um, you know the Native American with the one tier watching the Joe Moorhead offense as Penn State slips to zero and four because he was running some really great plays, great blocking schemes. And it's like, it's what Penn state's been missing. And now Oregon, who is already a good team, a physical team, tough offensive line, um, a tough defense, a great secondary. Now they've got that added dimension. And I feel like uh, the, the PAC 12 is theirs for the taking. And I really like them this week. UCLA just, they don't have it. No, they do not. Chip going back to Oregon. 
Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I mean that that's uh that would be cool if it was a crowd. You're not sold on them? No. I didn't like what I saw against Stanford. And then they were losing in the first half against Washington State and had to come from behind. So Washington State, I thought they were I watched a good portion of that game and I thought Washington State was a good team. I mean, they have their quarterback is from the school that uh Tua and um Mariota attended. So he's uh he's got he was the supposed to go to Hawaii because Nick was there, but actually transferred with Washington State, which is awesome that they're starting right off the bat. I guess they've known like it's been assumed he's going to go there forever. So like it makes sense. I thought he, really cool he showed some real potential. I thought he's a little undersized, but he really throws darts. So I, I like him and I liked Washington state. And when Oregon, you know, beat them pretty solidly in the end, but I felt like Washington state's actually a, a team you might want to watch out for in the pac 12. When I saw that performance. That's right. Coach Nick. Coach Nick's the truth. He's really good. And they're an underdog at Stanford. Stanford's no good at all. Stanford's 0-2 and got hammered by uh, someone else last week, I think, again. So, hammered. Yeah, that uh, one didn't yeah, really jump. That didn't jump out yeah. to me when I looked through, I guess, because the line's so close. But, yeah, come to think of it, like, I'll take Washington State and a pick them against Stanford. Yeah, I'll take them plus 110 on the money line. Yeah, for sure. A lot of Pac-12 out of nowhere. I apologize, guys. Normally, I, I, I'm the one rambling on that section. I will be more than happy to extend the Pac-12 section next week. Well, because now they play these games for you guys at like 8 in the morning, I can actually watch them here on the East Coast. Oregon was in prime time. I mean, if these games ever go back to 10 o'clock, then I'm out. But That's this week. You're done. But, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. This will be my, my greatest and final predictions for the Pac-12. You will not see any of the UCLA Oregon game. It starts at eleven thirty Eastern. Ooh, yeah. Well, let me know how it goes. It might still be going on when I wake up. I mean, my son sometimes he's up at like five thirty. So that'll be if he wakes me up. First thing I'm doing, I'm checking in. Forty-five, forty-five overtime number two. Get about to get started. I, is there a prop, prop bet for that? That should be a prop bet that's available. Will this game still be on when Tom wakes up? Very, very specific prop bet, but I'll get on the horn with Antigua and let him know. Please do. All right, Tom. Well, that concludes uh, week, we'll say 12. It is week 12. I, I actually know this week because we got it wrong last week. And so I don't make the same mistake twice in a row. I will make it next week when I'll call it week 12 again, but at least every other week I get it right. That's not bad. Is there anything else that either of you would like to talk about? Hmm. I would like to have a quick word with my uh, Longhorns for a second. Uh, Tom Herman is losing a lot of recruits. They had the number one quarterback in the whole country decommit recently. They've had some other people decommit. Uh, He says it's because other schools are saying that Urban Meyer is going to come in and replace Herman after this year. And he's going to not honor your scholarships or bring in his guys. So it's a waste of time to recruit to Texas. Plus, look, they're a bunch of losers with some losses. Uh, Except he didn't say that second part when he told the media that. This upsets me. Um, In life, you need to accept if you make mistakes or if you're a failure that it's on you. 
you are the Texas Longhorns. You have the, what, um, number one or two most valuable program in the country at like $1.5 billion. You have the best facilities. You're at UT. You can get people from all over the country. You've had the best facilities and you can do whatever you need and hire a new defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, recruit X, Y, and Z, and the best recruiting class in Texas history and all this other bullshit. McConaughey. And you start and, and, and you just lay eggs every single year. So that's why people should not go to college there and they should decommit. If I'm the number one quarterback in the country, Texas is not even on my list. And that's the God's honest truth. So, um, Herman, uh, I'm really close to being finished. That that, that might have been the straw that, that broke the camel's back. I'm still a Longhorn fan, but uh, it's the sad state of the program right now when the coach is like, "No, they're 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 making fun of me, and my players are leaving. It's not fair." It sounds like a toddler. It's sad. So that's what you get when you hire ex Ohio State coaches. Should have seen this coming. Damn it! Bring back Charlie Strong, and that's all I'm gonna say. Hire away Ryan Day. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point, which is that if you're winning the way you're supposed to be winning at Texas, then there's no talk of Urban Meyer and these right. these rumors don't exist. Or if they are uh, existing, they'd be you'd be laughed in your face with them. Because if Tom Herman's Oklahoma. going ten and two every year or eleven and one, nobody's talking about other coaches. It feels a lot like Ohio State, and Michigan. To me, like Ohio, uh, like the Oklahoma and Texas, like Oklahoma is noticeably a better team, like way better. And for sure, it's sad and they shouldn't be like that. So I don't know how Texas fixes this. They, they, they thought they had a chance to fix it. Everyone got excited too early. It's not fixed. It's still a mess. I mean, he got the recruits. Remember a couple years ago, I think these guys yeah. are juniors now, but he got the five best defensive backs in the state of Texas. That's what I'm talking about. So what's the problem here? Exactly. I mean, what's you know? their pass defense look like this year? You know, I haven't been following, but. Not good. Um, actually, uh, of all those players, the best of them was um, BJ, was it Foster? He tried to quit the team three weeks ago and was off the team for two days, but they talked him into coming back. Does that sound like the prize corner from the recruiting class? Like what the hell's going on there? Like, it just doesn't make sense. So, uh, not happy with the Longhorns. Hate to be an asshole kind of towards the end of the show, but I I feel like I have to call Herman out on this one. If you're the number one quarterback recruit in the country, uh, who's on your list right now? Like, what are your top, say, three to five schools? Where am I from in the country? Because, I mean, you might consider maybe going to, like, Oregon or USC, maybe if you're from California or Oregon. But besides that, all right, I guess I mean, I mean, let's let's say you're from Southern California. A lot of good quarterbacks out of there. Yeah. Make it a little, uh, if I'm a from little, Southern California, I'm, I'm going to Oklahoma, probably. But, but let's just say, uh, I mean, who can, let's say you're from New Zealand and, you know, you, you just want to go okay. to the U.S. Perfect. and it doesn't matter what the geography is. Yeah, I'm going to Clemson. I'm going to Oklahoma. I'm going to uh, Georgia. Uh, You know, those are probably my top four. Ryan? Clemson, Alabama, 
Florida, yeah, Florida, Ohio State, yeah, cool North Carolina. I, I mean, I would consider Oregon. Can't quit I you, think. Mac. I can't quit you. I think I would consider Oregon along with all the teams you all just named. Yeah. And um, <laughs> LSU. That was a joke. LSU, maybe. <laughs> the U. LSU. Oh. Neither. No. I wouldn't. I'm not playing probably in the SEC, honestly, if I want to be a quarterback. Like, I'm like, like, I think it's Clemson or Oklahoma just because I don't think physically you'll get hit as much as being in the SEC. But when Mac Jones goes first round, yeah, yeah. After Gerald Burrow wins rookie of the year. I mean, it's not bad. I'd still go to Alabama. I mean, Clemson seems like the number one pick to me because you're so elite and far above the competition. As you said, it's a real good showcase of your skills, but less chance that you're going to get hurt, a better chance that you're probably going to be in the playoff multiple times in your career. So that seems like a really good pick. Oklahoma would just be the fun school. I Oklahoma, think, you get to win the Heisman. I mean, or go to the Heisman every year. I guess. I mean, it's not bad. Or Clemson, you get to win a national title. Clemson has fifty-two weeks ranked in the top five now. By the way, which is such a crazy stat. They're pretty good. <laughs> fifty-two weeks in a row. And they're gonna, they're going to stay there when Trev comes back and they start killing people. By the way, I googled Trev, T R E V, and it immediately yeah. brought me to Trevor Lawrence stuff. <laughs> So he's he's we started four letters and they know they know. Trev. Trev. That's all we call him. Trev is was way better than Trevor Lawrence. That's way too hard and long to say. Just Trev. He's Trev. Yeah. It's like Philip Rivers. No, he's Phil. Phil. This is just Phil. But with Phil Rivers, you have to say Phil Rivers. If you just say, Hey, did no, you guys I watch just say Phil? If you told me like did you did you watch Phil, Phil last weekend? I'd think you're talking about Mickelson. You know what I no, mean? Like Phil chucked three picks. <laughs> right, well, then well, I would else. know. <laughs> yeah. Phil chucked three picks against the Raiders. That's definitely Phil Rivers. And then said some G-rated swear words. God dang it. Gosh darn it. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Yeah. Gosh darn it, gosh, you mother, it. mother truckers. Gosh dang. Yeah. Uh, that Phil, I would understand. But if you just say Trev, I know who you're talking about in all fields, in the whole country, in the whole world. Like you could, you could just say, say like, see what happened to Trev. I'd be like, I'd immediately be like Trevor Lawrence. What happened? If you said what happened to Phil? I mean, I probably would think Mickelson, you know what I mean? He's the number one Trev in the world. Oh, it's fair. He is. He's the man. I feel like they got to give him a Heisman. Even if he doesn't win the Heisman, just give him an extra one. You don't want a Peyton Manning situation where you look back and you're like, how the hell did this guy not win a Heisman? So if Justin Fields or whoever gets it, just, just make a second one and give it to Trev. He deserves it. This is the truth. Or just give it to him next year and just don't give it to anyone else. Just give it like a, a posthumous Heisman. Just be like, sorry, folks, nobody can win the Heisman this year. It's going to Trev on the New York Jets. Oh, God. Um, yeah, my God. I mean, the way Tua's been playing as a Bills fan, like if Trev's on the Jets and Tua's on the Dolphins, 
It's like if Bills better win a Super Bowl this year because like their window is going to shut. <laughs> um, this has been the theory. This is not good. And then it's bad. It's bad. And then, you know, the Patriots are going to tank next year for Justin Fields for fun, too, because. Well, he's this, uh, he's coming know. out. So oh, yeah. They'll, they'll, no, they'll trade up. They'll trade Cam and yeah, the rest get, of the team and they'll get, they'll get Fields. And then. No, they're going to get Mac Jones at like 16 overall. Yeah, they are. That's a good pick he, too. He's a, he's boys with Saban. He's a big white stiff to fit in New England. <laughs> they love that. Uh, I wrote down a couple notes. We can not talk about them. You can say one thing or you can say nothing. These are really for you, Dan. I wanted to just note, uh, this doesn't require commentary, but we talk about Fox Mulder a ton. But I just wanted to note that our girl Jillian Anderson is on the new season of The Crown playing Margaret Thatcher. And it's so oh. it's so good that it was like a full episode but before I even realized it was her. So Jillian Anderson deserves uh, great props for her performance and her career and life in general. Uh, okay. Also, would you like to um, talk about how I've reverse secreted your life and you hear new metal music everywhere now? Yeah, Tom, this isn't working out well. Um, I heard uh, Stained um, <clears throat> at work today being played in the concourse, the busiest concourse at the entire Phoenix airport, by the way. Well, Dan, so I mean, in fairness, Stained is the biggest band in the world right now. Clearly, you know, it's 2020, not 2002, uh, but 2020. That was disturbing. Um I heard some fastball today. I heard some Eve six today, but when I was leaving work after a long, you know, 11 hour grueling day to hear Aaron Lewis's voice on the walkout really, really set the tone for a gloomy Monday night. So any errors in this podcast or that anything can be attributed directly to Aaron Lewis. He's not good. He's from Springfield, Mass like to point that out for uh, Jesus Mel- Melverde. And um, yeah, Tom, if you could undo your Xenon music curse, I would really appreciate it. I heard Dave Matthews band at the driving range the day of the election. This is bad. That one's this not, a, that's not on me. That's not part of the curse. Well, that's true. I also heard that um, on Saturday playing golf, not playing terribly well. But, you know, you hit some good shots here and there. Hit a really good drive. Best drive of the day to that point. <clears throat> Had a pitching wedge in. Hit that perfect about eight feet uh, from the hole. Lining up from my birdie putt. Feeling pretty good. And as I'm getting ready to make that putt, these clowns pull up on the hole adjacent to my hole in their cart, blasting Dave Matthews as I shank my putt and tap in, I didn't even tap in. I just picked up my ball and I said, figures that piece of shit and just kept walking. Uh, yeah. So it cost me a birdie on Saturday because I should have hit that eight footer. I was pin high. This is where the, you got to go with the shooter McGavin quote. How am I supposed to putt with that going on? I think he says chip, but you know, same thing. Two Uh, different scenes, but yeah, they both work. Ryan, 
last uh, last word of the day. Uh, how was your first true master's experience? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, it was fun. I played hooky on Thursday, kind of. I was actually feeling like ass, but yeah, I took the day off, watched a lot of master's coverage on Thursday. Uh, Friday was good. Had it on in the background all day while I worked. Uh, I did work Friday. Good boy. And uh, it was fun. I mean, DJ kind of dominated, so it took the, uh, you know, the excitement out of the, the final stretch. But he did break the Masters record. So, you know, that was exciting for me to watch, like really locked in. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's dismantling this course. So it was great. Uh, it was great to see Pauline Gretzky trending on Twitter again. Uh, it was great to see Tiger putting a green jacket on somebody. That was freaking cool. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to another Masters coming up in about uh, five months. Good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the best sporting events of the year. And you can now, as a new golfer, you can finally enjoy it. Really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I... I know what they're trying to do. I see the shots like the, when I'm like looking at them, like, okay, that's what he's trying to do. I get it. So it's a different way to watch golf for me. It's exciting. All right, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thanks everyone for listening. That's all for this week. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, it's it's it it seemed like it was going fine. Remember after like three or four weeks, everyone's like, Oh, this is fine, man. The big ten are pansies for not playing. And then you flash forward like two months, and like if a team has played all their games, it's like unbelievable. Like Indiana playing all their games, even though it's been like four games. It's, it seems weird. Well, we've covered that. I mean, it just, just I mean, it just goes to show you. I mean, everything in this world is all about money. And I mean, there's zero reason why this, there's this actual football season going on. I mean, it's totally absurd. Like we, we predicted a game on take the points last year, or sorry, last week that not only got canceled, but there was a rescheduled game Sunday morning in California between two teams that were playing different games. Like we're ready. We're like, okay, Utah, UCLA, here we go. You get to see Utah in action. Wrong. UCLA gets to play like what Colorado or something, or I don't know where the hell they played. Stanford. They played Stanford. They whipped them. Anyway, the point is, we're seeing stuff this year that's just unbelievable. Arkansas is a favorite over LSU. We got teams playing impromptu games with three days notice. They're like, hey, you go out there and play them. Same thing's gonna happen this week. They canceled the Arizona State game already. Uh, so they said whoever Arizona State was supposed to play is going to get a rescheduled game. Like, they're making up games on the fly at this point.